When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Fans are bound to get impatient, but I'm feeling just as bad as them, said Duncan Ferguson in the profile on him in that afternoon's match day programme, where he would get a rare start against Wraith Rovers as Mark Haley was rested on the bench. Patience was starting to wear a bit thin amongst the loyal Rangers support, not unreasonable after such an excitement around the transfer, but it was his off-field behaviour that was causing as much tension as his lack of on-field substance. One particularly impassioned plea in the February edition of Fall of Fall said, really he has to grow up and stop acting like an overgrown, spoiled five-year-old. You owe us all a great debt. Start delivering off the park if you cannot deliver on it. This club has much more to offer you than you can give it. Perhaps that fan was one of the thousands cheering his name early in the second half of that match. In retrospect, though, it may have been better for all concerned if he wasn't on the park at all by then. To discuss Dunk and everything else that wraps up season 93-94, Hangover. I'm joined by David Edgar. How are we, David? I'm good, thank you. Uh, Nice to be here and uh, looking forward to... Maybe a wee under-discussed period in our history coming up for the next couple of seasons. It's almost Mm. like we go from... 92, 93, straight to, you know, Gaza, um, yeah. eight in a row, with, with, with a slight detour into Loudrup did some things a year before, but let's just go to the, you know, the, the, the title races. So it's, it's nice to, to maybe cast some light on this. Indeed. And if David's here, Alan Bradley is also joining us. How are you, Alan? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, and as usual, looking forward to it. As David said, this one's obviously different. Certainly compared to 92, 93 in the Heights. Uh, but again, no, it's, I think it's always good to just have a wee look back and, and just maybe kind of drill down more as opposed to just the usual kind of high level. You know, we won this, that, the other, and we jumped on. So, no, looking forward to it, pal, yeah. You're both looking forward to it, which is interesting. For anyone who is listening to this far in the future, has heard about this wonderful show and finally got around to, to listen to it. We're recording straight after a pretty dreadful old firm defeat. There's not a lot 
of happiness <laughs> in this particular show <laughs> as ninety three ninety four um draws to a conclusion. However, there's stuff that we, we do need to talk about if we have to do this this period history. Let's start with Duncan. Um I'll try and kind of set the scene and get get some things um in, in place to, to tell this story. Thirty fifth minute around then Ferguson's tussling um, with the, the Wraith Rovers right back, Jock McStay. John McStay, he went at the time, cousin of Celtic captain Paul. Um, the corner between the main stand and the Broomland were, were Kenny Clark blue for a, a Wraith free kick. Kenny Clark then looked away um, upfield, presuming that they would stop tussling and Wraith would take that free kick pretty quickly um, and without fuss. Um, that would be a strange and costly assumption to make. McStay appeared to um, look back in Ferguson and Ferguson's opinion and words he said to he began to square up to him and Duncan got his retaliation in early as he charged forward towards McStay leaving him on the floor holding his face. Um, I tried to show some aggression he said I misjudged my distance and collided with his head. I was clumsy with my head. Words given not in a post-match media debrief or an interview years later but in a court of law as Ferguson found himself charged yet again with assault. And it was obviously a moment that would change his life. If the referee had seen it, or if his standside linesman, Jim O'Hare, had acted on his initial thoughts, which were, oh, that looked pretty bad, and raised his flag then, perhaps this sense of immediate sporting injustice would have negated the pressure for a different kind. Donald Finlay, vice chairman, of course, at the time, and another side point to this, um, many people think that the Rangers didn't defend Ferguson enough and Finlay should have been involved. Finlay was a witness. He was there at the game. He could not represent Ferguson at that, that original trial. But in his opinion, an enormous media clamour, no doubt that the police and the fiscal reacted to this. No formal made by McStay or Wraith Rovers. It was a, a Glasgow publican, Dick Barton, who may have started that ball rolling because he sent a letter to every police station in the country demanding action when a, a policeman said, we can't do anything unless there's a public complaint. Um... David, neither manager made much of the incident, uh, in, uh, incident in the post-match. Uh, Walter Smith missed it. He was doing his normal walk from the main stand down to the uh, uh, dugout from the director's boxes before half-time, as he did every game. Um, but the interviews that both players did, I think, were quite telling. Amplified by the, the footage, slowed down, zoomed in, um, that Scott Sport would use the following day. McStay... To be fair, his initial priority is to prove that he wasn't at it and a cheat and dived and, you know, was just feigning it. Um, he spoke outside on Emerson Drive to the News of the World journalist Kenny McDonald and a friend of his, um, pointed to a cut on his lip as, as proof of, of contact. Um, and he was speaking to Alan Petullo of the Scotsman now, a great book in search of Duncan Ferguson, I would recommend it. And he said, what I think did for him in the court was the club doctor's report. There's a cut above my lip that confirmed what I found curious at that time, and I still do now, is there's one brilliant picture of the headbutt into the side of McStay's head, near his ear. Now, you'd have to be the subject of a Picasso masterpiece for that to, to do damage to your lips. So that that was a, a bit odd and, and probably raised, again, the, the kind of media clamour. Ferguson, very media shy, never really spoke to anyone, but he, he did speak to the Rangers News and a, a young Fraser Mackey, he was starting out at the Rangers News at the time, as many uh, football writers do. He later became the um, sports editor of, or the chief sports correspondent for the um, um, Daily Mail, I think. 
having a can of McEwen's lager in his hand. He said, yeah, the boy made a bit of a, a, a meal of it, didn't he? Before the two towed the party line and talked only about the game and his joy and pride uh, in scoring his first goal. When the wider press got those quotes, they went wild on it. Um, this juxtaposition. Hope you're proud of me, Dad, was the son's headline, um, saying that the, the strike overshadowed by the one that left um, Wraith Ace McStay, such a classic tabloid English, with a burst lip. So in this position then, David, that this simply wasn't fair and the nation demanded action. Yeah, I mean, it's the most censorious time um, in some ways, um, particularly in, in Scotland. And uh, the media had done that classic thing that they do, which is build up the sort of bad boy image of Duncan Ferguson. And of course, he had been in bother previously, as is many a young footballer back then was. Uh, not to defend it, you can't go around lamping people in pubs. Uh, I think that's that's fair to say, but it was the accumulation that led to it. But uh, you know, the argument that was put forward that you see this sort of thing happen regularly at football was true, and I think that to deprive a man of his liberty for this was horrendous. I thought that then and I think it now and I would have thought it had it been the other way around incidentally um, because you know it's a bit of argy-bargy on a football field um, it's not you know it's not a career ender. It, it, it's one of these things that that we hear a lot you know spitting is the worst thing you can do on a park well no going over the top onto somebody's knee is the worst thing you can do in a park. I know what I'd rather have happened to me and I think that the media had built in, and of course he wouldn't talk to the Martin. So there was a revenge thing there because he was shy and he, he didn't want to talk to them, which they took as aloofness. And you have to remember the sense of entitlement that the press have, but had then in particular, I mean, I think we talked in this show, didn't we, about uh, Jerry McNee walked up to, to Graham Soonis and the flight from Bucharest and said, you know, my paper spend a lot of money to send me here and you're not giving me info the fuck's it to soonest what your paper's doing but that was the attitude and their attitude was we'll we'll show him we'll teach this guy a lesson um that guy the publican sounds a right wanker yeah i to do that it should have been left he should have received a, a ban for his you know, well, afterwards, I don't think anyone would have had a problem with it. But suddenly became a cause celebrity and everybody could show how upstanding they were and everybody could show yeah. how moral they were. The SFA could show how moral they were. And it was Rangers and it was Rangers record signing and he needed taking down a peg or two. I don't understand why. I don't know what he'd done that announced that he had a very high peg. But it was that very Scottish, Kent your father, small time mentality. And they picked on a guy who, you know, did clearly have some issues with anger, probably more down to immaturity than anything else. And I think subsequently everyone agrees, you know, it's a very good human being. But it was it was just too easy. Too many people got too much out of it. You know, people who didn't like Rangers got to have a laugh at Rangers. Um, the press got to, to revel and look what we did. We, we got him sent to jail. That'll show him for the crime of, I don't really want to do interviews. Um, and, you know, the, I, I can't help but feel, and I think on this show, we we will always say when a Rangers player has been bang out of order, 
But I, I just feel in this instance that, you know, to, to lose your liberty for this, to, to go to jail, the horrible experience that that is, and the stigma um, mm. and the effect on your psyche, you know, and I got the argument at the time of saying, well, it's a pattern of behaviour with them. Well, even so, um, it wasn't a jailable offence. I'm never keen on justice that's to send a message because then you're not being treated the same way. If, yeah. you know, if, if Archie McGlinty wouldn't have been sent to jail for that and he wouldn't, then Duncan Ferguson shouldn't have been sent to jail for that. Uh, the SFA, of course, I'm sure you're going to talk about it. They rush in with a ban um, immediately. Thus, you know, I thought went against the laws of subjudice, but yeah, okay, I know. Yeah. And it was it was very much a burn the witch thing. Um, they found that they could get at Rangers, and the actual human being at the end of it, the actual human being who would suffer from it, didn't matter because that wasn't what it was about. And there was a really horrible element of that in the nineties. And I know that sometimes people will complain about. Uh, you know, modern people being a bit too soft, and there's certainly things that will annoy me when it goes to ridiculous length. But I like the fact that as a society, we maybe now would would certainly at least put the argument forward. Well, really, you know, do, do we need to do this? Is this a, a use of resources? Well, we would in most countries. We still see in Scotland that Rangers can be a very useful political football, so to speak. So, yeah, uh, I just I remember feeling very angry at the time. I felt for him, and obviously there was that sense of I want to see him on the part scoring goals, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that very myopic, immature selfishness on my part. But even just on a basic human level, I just thought they're sending him to jail because he ran up and dipped his head towards a, a defender. And the the lie, for it was a lie about the burst lip, you know, yeah. he's the centre half. You you got them, you get them still in games, was, I, I thought that, that just made it worse. And, you know, I accept that McStay didn't press a charge or, you know, didn't go out and campaign for him to be pilloried or nonetheless, but... This whole thing, I think, is an absolute stain on Scottish football. I really do. Yeah, Alan, I was I'm in the Govan Rear, so the the other end of the ground, I guess, um, the other side of the pitch, anyway. And it looked like one of those kind of coming together. I couldn't really see. Ferguson mm-hmm. definitely made that that movement. And listen, no defending the movement. It's it is a headbutt. Um, it's no the one where you kind of lift the head back and spring forward. It's more like kind of rhino charge, really. Um, but it's it's, it's ridiculous, it's stupid, it's, it's, a, it's a red card for sure. Um, but it didn't look like much from where I was. Nothing happens, he goes on and scores. Uh, my intro to this 93-94 segment a few weeks ago uh, mentioned Jim White um, and being very excited in the Scott Sports Studio because they had this huge story and he was, he was like a kid at Christmas. I know that because I was there. I was doing work experience on that Sunday. Um and you know what, what a weekend to, to to choose, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah. he he was excited. He was listen. He's a media man, and that's 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 how they make the living. Um, and it was a big story. It was missed. Can you remember? We'll, we'll get to the 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 legal bit in a minute, but the game and and the incident itself, and that that week after, because it was this is an unjust, and it was. He should have been sent off. It was it was a a bad mistake by Kenny Clark. You get two players with their arms over each other, just blown for a free kick and then carrying on as if 
that isn't going to, there's not even a, a threat or a danger of, of there being any kind of afters for an experienced referee is, is bizarre. Um, but I mean, the, the, the week after that was, was, was pretty hyped. Yeah, I mean, I remember the game, and I think what David said, and you'd be the same. We were all wanting Ferguson. I don't know. Since we signed him, you know, come on, we want him to yeah, come good and waiting, so on. Didn't you? you just you uh, kept right here. It, you know, now, um, yeah. And and this, I mean, this guy definitely was the hottest property in Scottish football, and even at the time, mind breaking into the international team and so on. So I think people tend to forget that as well. But this guy was going to potentially for the next ten years be you know, one of the best, you know, kind of players that we have in Scotland. So, yeah, I kind of remember, I think David Robertson scored a kind of a really good kind of first goal and so on. Yeah, I got a second one. Obviously, Big uh, Ferguson got the one in the second half and then maybe Miko at the end. But I, I, I was Eastern closure. I remember something happening down in the left and it's here we go. But again, as you say, you, you saw this all the time. It was like, a, oh, is it handbags? Have, oh, have the, has you actually put the head on him? Is the boy going down? But, but I think, as you said, it, it, then you go away from the game, you didn't think anything of it. You thought, that's brilliant. Ferguson scored. You know, now now we're kind of talking, we'll see. And the way it built up, and I think what got me to was, I, you guys too, I don't know, and, and I know I don't condone violence now, so on the record, can't do it, but the amount of fights I get in and the amount of trouble I get in playing football all the time, we all did it, whether it was just in a local park and big games, you saw it every week in down England down here, and I just couldn't get that in my head at all. And I know what the guy did. I think there was an assault of someone in a taxi ranks, problem in the pub as well, wasn't there? And all these other ones. But to me, I just put this more as a an incident that happened in the football park. And if you think of, I saw it with Willie Johnson, uh, the amount of red cards that he got, somebody that, you know, descending off. But again, he would get suspended. Big Steen, at one point, they actually managed to ban him in the run-up to the league, where in effect we ended up losing at the end and he couldn't play in the cup final. So these things were going on, but I just saw it as a football thing. And, and I just, I, I think it's it just says so much. I would have thought nowadays, but for, as you say, like a publican to then write to police stations, it just, and because I, I feel because it's Rangers as well, you know, because it's the kind of big one. And I, I take your point, the media, this is a great story. But I think it's just disgraceful because they could have banned the guy for, I, I don't know, so many games and so on, whatever. But th- just using what had happened elsewhere outside of the football one, ugh, just yeah. such a shame, really. Yeah. I've always Dick felt Martin, it's a dangerous the, 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 route. Yeah, the, Sorry, the, the, I, I've always felt it's a dangerous route to go down, incidentally, about, you know, criminalising things that happen. Yeah. <laughs> and because... And I think it was in FF at the time, Martin, maybe not, maybe one of the other fanzines, where somebody said, you know, what's worse, that or what happened to Ian Durant? So why is oh, yeah. Neil Simpson not getting done? Because Neil Simpson yeah. deliberately tried to hurt somebody. He yeah. he committed an act of assault where he was trying to, to cause an injury. Ferguson wasn't. You know, he's, he's lost his temper. <laughs> And and we'd all seen, you know, punch tackles and things in the 70s and they Craig, just went on in football Craig, parks, yeah. Craig, Craig Levine breaking Graham Hogg's jaw. Oh, that's that's the thing, ago. right? So, just a side note on the, the Dick Barton, the, the publican. He he very quickly felt very guilty and withdrew his complaint. Obviously, too too late. Yeah, right, yeah. He actually campaigned outside the court <laughs> for Duncan. <laughs> um, um, so he's he's maybe an eccentric character. Um, 
Three weeks later, Ferguson gets banned for 12 games by the SFA. David, you're, you're right. Uh, there's issues of um, prejudice and uh, a, a trial there. That's what Rangers complained about. Um, they effectively tried to avoid that, that hearing for those reasons, but um, you know the SFA forced their hand. Rangers appealed immediately. That's why Ferguson could play um, at the end of that season. Um mm-hmm. Now, if the wider media pressure gets the fiscal involved um, in a sporting matter, then when it was eventually heard, it's not eventually heard till May 1995, at which point Duncan Ferguson is an FA Cup winner for Everton, not even a Rangers player anymore. Um, Then again, the context didn't help him. 94-95 was a pretty bad season in England, actually, in English football. Match-fixing allegations, transfer bongs, sleaze, racism, and then on course the, the 25th of January the, the kind of ultimate barometer when, when Cantona um, leapt into the, the, the crowd at Selhurst Park um, now he was given a custodial sentence initially it was appealed and community service was the um, the outcome there I, I guess what you could say is that, that that was a member of the public that got attacked and maybe there's you know the, the lines are broken there um, violence the football field is nothing new and that's what Rangers I say Rangers uh, Ferguson's mm-hmm. lawyers um, tried to to, to use um, the I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. There was a Junior Cup, OVD Junior Cup final at Ibrox not not long before the yes. trial. Um, Glen Afton um, and... Uh, I was at this. Yeah, logs. Multiple incidents of violence. Punches and then a headbutt again. Um, headbutts. Um, typical Ayrshire. Typical Ayrshire, Martin. Was a, it, it, was, it was an absolute Ayrshire <laughs> Western Juniors. Dad. But um, one guy, and it wasn't a Duncan Ferguson style headbutt. One of the boys, Big Ali something, hmm. he used to play for Motherwell, runs up and sinks the nuts. Oh, and, I mean, it, it reminds me, actually, I went to see Cohen and Rangers versus Largs Thistle in the semi-final in 99, the year the Buffs won it. And Jeez, oh, um, yeah. the, the Cohen and Rangers fullback was sent off after three minutes for nutting the linesman yeah. and had the audacity after headbutting the linesman to say, what? Um, but, yeah, look, it was. And it was a farce. It was, and the Cantona one got reduced, Martin, because the, the appeal said... He did not get a sentence commensurate. He got a sentence yeah, based yeah. on being it was, it was because of who he was. Yeah, and the other one that Rangers used, and uh, you, you've you've referenced it already, David, was in the August of nineteen ninety four preseason um, between Hearts and Wraith Rovers. Um, who was on the bench for Wraith Rovers that day? John Mistay. Um, where Graham Hogg and Craig Levine, both Hearts players, got into a fight about um, a, a chance. It wasn't even a goal. I don't think. Um, and they get into a fight, and, and Levine broke um, Graham Hogg's jaw with a left hook. Um, and that was again used to present you know, nothing. No one was called. The, the, the fiscal was not involved in, in, in that. The sheriff for, for Ferguson's case, Sandy Eccles, um, said the examples were irrelevant because they took place in play and immediately from continuing play, unlike the present case. Except that it did. The Ferguson case was exactly the same as when the match was stopped immediately before the incident arose and the damage a lot less severe. Um, Echo spoke to Pichulo in that, that book. He said, looking at the TV film of it, it didn't look as if it was done in the heat of the moment. 
which suggests some kind of premeditation on Ferguson's part for an act that preceded a tussle that occurred literally seconds before it. So it, that was a bit of a farce. But given that Ferguson had three previous convictions for assault, and by that time one for drink driving, mm. if and when he was found guilty, I don't think a custodial sentence was unfair or unexpected. It wasn't about the headbutt and Jock McStay. No, he, it wasn't. He was, no, no. He, he was going to get done. Um, but whether it should have got there, whether this, this should have um, brought him to court, is what rankled with a lot of Rangers fans at the time. Um, Finlay is of the impression that, that Ferguson was a sacrificial lamb at a time where public pressure for footballs to be held to the same standard as the man in the street was pretty high. He quoted from Voltaire's Candide, um, I will not do of the French original, um, but it's, it, it's good did. to kill an admiral from time to time in order to encourage the others. And that that's really it. It was... Uh, poor Uncle J. Leotra. Yeah, indeed. Um, <laughs> that's what it is. Um, I think... This did change Ferguson's life and change his career, of course. It's maybe tempting and we've got to guard against, even though it's narratively seductive all the time to look at turning points and say, you know, this everything spins on a coin. I think it would have happened. If it wasn't in a pitch, it would have been in a pub. He was heading towards that result just because of the kind of character he was in this constant frustration um, but it did happen that day and after Wraith really the end for Ferguson at Ibrox was nigh boys still business to take care of um, as this exhausting season limped to a close um, <laughs> fittingly Dundee United um, would turn up to Ibrox the next week for a Scottish Cup final dress rehearsal again the week dominated by the man who had left United for Rangers last summer uh, if you look at the, the result and you just you kind of Quickly glance at it. Business as usual. 2-1 home win. Two more important goals for Golden Jury. Rangers cruising yep. to title number six. However, there was more to it than that. United took an early second half lead. Christian Daly converted a Jerry Nixon cutback. And they should have had the opportunity to make it two. Daly completely taken out by David, uh, Dave McPherson in the box only a couple of minutes later. Referee Joe McCluskey waved play on and Rangers capitalised with the two headers by Jury. Taking his tally 12 in 20 league games. Again, I would stress his importance to the season. Ivan Golak was not happy. He opted for sarcasm um, as a defence. Uh, I understand completely the decision. The referee was four or five yards away and in line with what happened. Yes, yeah, a very difficult decision to make in those circumstances. Um, I think he'd been riled by Walter Smith, who said, you know, at least United had played when they came to Ibrox early in the season, once 3-0. If they don't put men up the park, they lose. Um, and Golak was pointed in his responses. I read that Walter Smith had not seen the Duncan Ferguson incident because he was on his way down from the stand. If he thinks we didn't play well, he must have been in the tunnel. If we'd scored a second goal with a penalty, there's nothing Rangers could have done to change things. Our players are angry and even more determined to win the cup final. That's how I want it to be. We will emerge stronger as a result from this. Well, they would. No one um, inside Ibrox could have possibly known, David, that Rangers were just about to or Rangers had spent, and we'd witnessed um, the last victory of the season on the 23rd of April. The chance to seal the championship at Fur Park on the Tuesday, passed up from a one for the second time that season, ended the 22-game unbeaten run, and on it went until the following Saturday, where the title could be won if other results went Rangers' way, at home to Celtic. However, it would be an old firm game with a very, very different atmosphere. Uh, okay, before we get to the game... This goes back, of course, to the Halloween win or the, the, the day before Halloween. 
Um, we are, listen, damage done at grounds is hard to damage Parkhead in those days. I, I can't stress that enough. Um, <laughs> good missile, a million pounds worth of improvements, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, but on that game, um, there were more than 800 seats damaged or ripped out. Um, and Rangers complained more vigorously than they'd ever done. Um, Celtic responded in a way that set in motion this chain of events that led to, I guess, unprecedented action. They were not prepared to pay for the damage um, because, the, you know, the, the understanding was it happens at both grounds. It's the home team's job to police and steward and just ensure safety. But this was excessive. Tom Grant, one of the directors at the time, denied any malicious intent. He blamed the damage on exuberant fans celebrating that late victory or them trying to avoid queues um, by climbing over seats. He said there's not a lot of space that these seats have. He wouldn't know much about that right now, given the state of Parkhead. But given that both Kilmarnock and Motherwell had taken big supports to the Broomland Road and had won late on and had not got anywhere near the same kind of damage, never mind even getting into the toilets and the, the, the state of those, Rangers were in no mood to accept excuses. So this dragged on over the months. Um, and then end of January, um, Murray announces they're banned. They're not getting any tickets for the game on April 30th. Uh, now, th- the reaction to that is predictably extreme. If you look at Follow Follow, one of the most notoriously cynical contributors, I'll uh, leave you to, to wonder who. Um, David Murray has me feeling 10 foot tall at the moment. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, for sticking by the Rangers fans and their club. Um, Mark Dingwall's editorial was entitled Stand By Our Man. Thank you, David Murray, for finally burying the myth that anyone needs a strong Celtic stand firm in capitals. The main football writers, Alex Cameron, Alan Davidson, Ian Archer, were at the forefront saying it would just denigrate the greatest derby in the world, one they poured scorn over for its unsavoury elements for years. Um, Davidson went further, said that Rangers are nothing without Celtic. Um... And we kind of talked about this uh, last week, the, the importance of a strong Celtic um, and Jerry McNeese's um, campaign um, to, to, to get that uh, all sorted. Um, but this was a huge media reaction, as you, you'd imagine. By the time of the game comes, David, Fergus McCann's in place. And he made a peace offer to Murray privately, which he then made public in the week before the game, stating that, you know, neither... It was it was rebuffed, and neither he or the directors were going to attend. If we're not welcome, if fans are not welcome, we're not welcome. We'll have the reserve game on. We'll be at that. Rangers fans are welcome at that. Um, his offer was extra money on the tickets for Celtic fans, only when they provided names and addresses. Um, promised to pay for any damage, um, an independent inspection before and after the game, any steward and policing required, they'd pay it. But a refusal to pay for the previous damage and money was unmoved, as McCann would have known that he would be. Um, Correct. But acute use of the media there, David, in a game where Rangers could win a title against Celtic should have been an early sign for Murray that he was facing a very different opponent in the boardroom. Correct. Um, there was a story round about then about McCann that um, when Celtic were building the, the, the first half of the Breeze Block Boulevard, um some people came and say, oh, we can't get TV reception. You need to compensate as locals. And he said, okay, bring your TV license. And very few people did. <laughs> so 
that you know this is a guy who thinks on that level about saving money <laughs> so he was not going to pay for the damage to the seats because it didn't happen in his watch but he knew you know murray couldn't murray couldn't have anyway see if celtic could come out of sweetness and light murray probably couldn't anyway because he'd said i'm going to do this and this is maybe a wee bit of surprise we'll know the most logical people when it comes to our opponents from that side of the city um, they don't like us very much and we're not all that keen on them. So had he done it, I'd have been, you know, personally apoplectic. I think most of the Rangers fans were, nope, you know, you need to learn your lesson here. But it was, it was very clever. Uh, it was well worked. Uh, you get this, you know, bullshit about, oh, we need a strong Celtic throughout the 90s. We never got it, I think, during the 2010s that we needed a strong Rangers. In fact, we got told the exact opposite. Um, that it, it, it simply wasn't the case. But you, you know, I, I I do get it. I think, look, firstly, I think we would all agree anybody breaking a seat at a football match is a bit of a dick. You know, there's no excuse to do that. You just, you don't have the right to do that. I'm sorry. It really is that simple. Uh, it does happen. And generally speaking, the clubs just pay it. Celtic at that era, the reason they didn't pay it is they couldn't. Yeah. They literally did not have the money to do it. So there was no danger they were going to pay for those seats because they couldn't afford that. Whereas, you know, it still happens, unfortunately, um, for all clubs, including ours, uh, and the clubs just quietly pay the bill and, and move on. Uh, so it will never go away because you get, you know, alcohol and quite often testosterone. Apologies to our female listeners who like to rip out seats when they're at the football. Um, but it'll always happen unfortunately you get that sort of stupid petty vandalism but yeah it, it this this kind of as you say martin the hypocrisy of oh you're damaging you know it was very kind of weather alba oh they, they, they're damaging the greatest derby in the world hold on you said this derby was just full of evil yeah. and evil you couldn't take any so so what is it you know it's it's one or the other surely um and a, a large part of it you know if Celtic had banned Rangers fans, would Ian Archer have complained? No, no, of course he wouldn't have. It was entirely because it was them and they thought this was unfair and they thought again it was, you know, Rangers. Anything Rangers did round about this period would always be viewed in the context of they're throwing their weight about. And people don't like when someone they consider to be, that they don't like and they consider to be more successful than they want them to be, throws their weight around. And everything Rangers did was viewed through that prism. Um... Of the journalists you mentioned, there are two of them, and I, this is not in any way a dig. I mean, I'm certainly the last person to be able to do it. Mm. Two of them had severe problems with alcohol, and it affected their outputs quite radically. Um, both of them were actually pass away before they should have, mm. if you like, because of their issues with the drink. Um, and you would get these art, these articles where it almost seemed from week to week that the same person hadn't written them. And yeah. unfortunately, I believe that that quite often mm. was the case due to these, um, you know, it was seen as that industry, wasn't it, back then? You know, all yeah, oh, absolutely. That's, that's hard, where, yeah. That's what stories were found in, in the pub. Yeah, the, you, you went to the boozer and you, you, you get stuck in. And there was, you know, definite issues with those particular journalists there. Um who would do that and then also look we know in scottish football the amount of journalists who love love to publicly have their hands ringing while in reality they've got 
their hands wringing another part of their anatomy about this sort of thing where it's publicly it's oh it's a morality and privately it's like this is magic i've got three weeks of stories out of this mm-hmm. um and this was its very flabbiest worst example on the on the whole narrative and the kind of journalists and so on all the way i mean young ones i would imagine younger bears I'll be familiar with people talking about Murray, you know, at the time where he kind of controlled. And obviously, in the past 10, 15 years, I mean, it's gone completely the other way. But I think even through the 60s, you know, the narrative later on, you know, Joe Steen is so super, he's a tracksuit manager. As you say, Gear Henderson, Archer, a lot of them. And even during this time when Celtic were a laughing stock, things obviously did get up to the surface. But again, as you said, there's a whole, what, half a dozen of them who were continually like the the Jerry McNee one, as if I'm campaigning for it and so on. And that even at this point in time, this seems to be here. But did you did you think, David, as well, that the way Fergus McCann had came in now and Celtic were beginning to just tip the balance a wee bit now, or you know, controlling no, I, the media, or, you know? No, or... I, well, you know, being a Rangers fan who read FF, I just thought the media. Always, yeah, 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 of course. Everybody does, don't they? Every, I mean, I've, I, I was listening in to a, a, a phone in the other week where somebody was going on about the anti-Norwich media, and you, <laughs> you're like, hey, right, nobody has ever given a second. I don't even know a tractor. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, so there was an element. No, I mean, I, I, you know, Celtic had been a comedy club for so long. For, it was going to take yeah, a, yeah. a long, long time. I was going to need much more evidence of it. To me, it just. I thought it was just a them being sneaky. I admit that I am predisposed to thinking ill of them and their yeah, yeah. Um, motives. I don't think it was a genuine good faith offer, as Martin touched upon. If it was, he would have quietly just said, "We'll pay for the seats. We'll, you know, do this sort of bond thing that he said with the extra on the tickets that can be used, held against it, or that kind of stuff." He didn't do it. He knew what the deal breaker was, and he knew. He could offer what he could offer up to without it being accepted, and it was clever because you know he had, um, he had that that kind of mind. Um, and then it's interesting actually because McCann does play the media so well at this point. But mm-hmm. see, once he's 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 in, I mean, his relationship with Scottish media was yeah, it just plummets, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. because he, he I, as happens with a lot of people, Murray would you know enjoyed it. A lot of kind of successful businessmen don't like being questioned. I mean, Murray didn't like being questioned, but. The journalists didn't question him, so that was easy enough. But with McCann, I genuinely think he came in, as a lot of people have done at Scottish football, met the press back and thought, these guys are all morons. And, yeah, and why yeah. Why do I have to kowtow to them? And if you're a very successful person, having to kowtow to, with all due respect, to likes of Alan Davison and Ian Archer, you're, you're not going to do it. The game itself, uh, perhaps if Rangers had scored early, it would have been a very different game, um, but they couldn't, and it was a strange kind of flat atmosphere, despite the balloons and streamers, made flatter even more by John Collins' free kick that gave Colin Scott, who was in for Ali Maxwell, absolutely no chance, and alerted stewards to Celtic fans who had somehow managed to secure a ticket. We huffed and we puffed and eventually got an equaliser. Miko's deflected shot spun over Bonner uh, into the net later on. Even then, there was no late charge really um, to to finish the game off in style. 
there was very little left in the tank, if we're being honest. And some pundits suggested the Rangers were choking this prospect of a historic double treble in front of them. Tantalisingly in reach, Stuart McCall said losing our nerve. Us, not a chance of that happening immediately after the game. And he's probably right, not nerve. Um, this was a side who come through tougher tests than this. But energy, almost certainly. Rangers celebrated their sixth successive title, Easter Road, um, on Tuesday the 3rd of May with a 1-0 defeat and with the league not technically being won at all. Uh, it was conceivable for, for Rangers to stumble to defeat in those final two games and the end they lost 1-0 to Kelly and drew 0-0 with Dundee, but it was fairly unlikely that Motherwell were going to claw back a goal difference of 18. So even Walter allowed his side to uh, have an early celebration. Uh, injury and illness kept Jury and Duncan Ferguson out and Hibbs goal came from a defensive error by Richard Goff. Almost the perfect way in which to seal the 93-94 <laughs> triumph. Um, an understrength, error-strewn defeat on the same night that their closest rival lost as the country shrugged at yet another league flag being hoisted above Ibrook Stadium. And yet Smith, in his autobiography later that year in 1994, says he was very proud of that triumph. He said that title gave me more satisfaction than any of the other trophy wins that we have had. It was a long, hard slog for these players. And that kind of endurance test, um, he says, for them to have taken the title once more after all the early season problems and lingering worries, which it is, was amazing. You won't find me criticising them because at times they didn't show the same style as they had the previous season. Winning last year asked for different qualities from the players. It wasn't just about their footballing ability. It was about their physical and emotional reserves that they had left to draw on. Alan, I don't think Walter's been disingenuous there. I think he genuinely is proud of this uh, one. He's he's kind of protective of his squad yeah. and their achievements. But this was a different kind. It wasn't dramatic and sensational like some of the others. But sometimes you need to grind it out. Absolutely, Martin. And the thing is, even 91-92, there was about half a dozen players played, I don't know, 50-odd games, 55 games. 92-93, obviously, the whole domestic and the European ones too. So it wasn't even a case of just kind of getting to the finish line on this season. To me, it was just the extension of, you know, the previous couple of years. And I think the point that you made with, I think, John and Andy in the first episode was, really, we should have been strengthening, you know, beforehand. We were unlucky in terms of injuries and so on. But again, well, that's because it was this, it was just constant, constant. Yeah. I you know, mean, the players were done in the end, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, we, we've briefly mentioned this before, I think we'll, we'll talk well, about you it. You don't think we were struggling with injuries, no? I don't think we were lucky. I don't think we were unlucky, sorry, that we were struggling with injuries. I think those injuries were, or should have been predictable, um, given how those... Sorry, those well, unfor- unfortunate rather than unlucky, but, but what I mean is it was just the, I would say, the, the kind of result of those oh, couple the, of years. That's yeah, all, the whole physical. Yeah, they were knackered, basically. Years, yeah. well, a, it was a result yeah. of those two years of absolute flat-out performance. Yeah, yeah. And secondly, a result of a disgracefully unprofessional team off the pitch. Right, and the bottom line... Leg breaks or collisions no. or contact injury. This was muscle injury after muscle injury. We're not training properly. We're not living properly. And we will come to one of the best examples of that at, at, at the end. Davey, I, yeah, okay. I wasn't used to road that night. I think I was listening to the radio, but it was it was a shrug. Yeah, I mean, it was. The, the season just petered out, didn't it? It just sort of dribbled to a conclusion and there was this sort of 
It was just a deeply unsatisfying season all in, really, wasn't it? Mm. The, the, there were so few highlights. and Even the last game, David, isn't it? It was just I, you're going there to pick it up and it's like... Yeah, it was... And I'm getting to that age now where, for the first time, it's hurry up and pick, you know, Right. and you know because you know i'm not a wee boy anymore i can go and i'm going for a baby after it basically so it's pick up that silver thing wave it at me and Let's let get me go, away and, him. Yeah. go go and get a drink and sing songs you know um there was you know there was just this this sort of gray sense around that whole season and the players looked knackered and as you say the football had been atrocious and it Every every game kind of felt like a slog at this point. You weren't, you know, get, getting rip roaring entertainment. I think it's fair to say. No. So yeah, the season probably ended, Martin, in the most opposite way that it. Yeah, it, it was could perfect. Have. It was absolutely perfect. And this multi or the the, the, the two generational um, approaches that we've we've maintained all the way through these shows. Um, I had that in my mind when I was thinking back to that 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 nil nil final league game at Ibrox against Dundee, final league game of the season. Uh, there's one thing I just want to say on that. I, I I said to my dad that day, I'm what, 13? I said, this is boring. Winning the title. This is boring. He kind of looked at me. Ooh, he'd, he'd, son, yeah. you know, he'd, he'd, he'd been through, because I don't know, as we've talked about, yes. I don't know famine. So I don't know absolutely, but this so, is, the football shit. And this so basically is boring. what you're saying, Martin, is that karma booting us yes. in the ball so severely was entirely down to you. I mean, oh, and I was not alone because it no, was you were. The I was the same. Flattest, I was like, flattest atmosphere. And <laughs> hey, we've won the league again. You know, yeah. yeah and, exactly. and I've, I've, uh, yeah, I, I, we had our live show, and one of the questions I wanted to talk about was the impact of the television window being wide open now. And you're seeing regular football that does not look like this. Alan, there's only one other thing about that that 0-0 game, that the final league game of the season I want to ask you about. Um, I wasn't on the part, Martin. No, no one was on the part. No one cared. Final stand for the enclosures. That was them. Um, yeah. And they would be seated over the, the season. It was coming, of course, from the Taylor Report, follow forward, a kind of uh, brief, half-hearted campaign to save them. Look, you don't need... The whole thing to be seated completely. Surely, this is a modern state of the art mm-hmm. stadium. Keep it was the heartbeat of the support. Can we retain that? But it was never going to happen. No, I mean, we we at one point, obviously, with you guys, the posh guys, I think we had a 160 pound premier club when it first opened. So, yeah. it was his, ooh, it's second year or something, maybe, or, you know, the year after it would, before that with the rover thingies. But I remember, and then it was, it went up again in price. And we got a, I think it was 90 quid Eastern Closure. That'll do us. So we immediately went down. So we were in the Eastern Closure. And I remember, you'll get on to it next season, but the Man United game, if I'm right, and what they did is they actually gave us a seat and I was in the front row. Mm. Uh, now that was shy because looking at the camber of the pitch, you couldn't even see below anyone's knee at the other side. And I remember going into the ticket office on the Monday and going, there you are, there's my ticket back. And they went, what? And I said, I'm not taking that. How not? I said, well, apart from the rain, I said, you can't see the full game or you just need to. I said, would David Murray go to the theatre and just only see 70% of it? And eventually the last, he put the thing up on the screen and went, blah, blah, blah. What about there? And I moved. But yeah, that, that was a biggie. I mean, I loved the enclosure and I know we've got to move on and so on for all the reasons, but 
But Martin, even before that, Martin, the dairy where I was, obviously yeah. younger, was the old the old covered terrace in the Sandy Jardin one. But then behind that goal used to be it. And then obviously then when that that's why a lot of them moved to the East Enclosure, you know, yeah. But you're right, it was a heartbeat. And you've got obviously nowadays you've got your union bears doing all the stuff, but nah, the East Enclosure for me, that that was the place, you know, yeah. Yeah, my first time in there was 1986. Yep. You remember we beat Hearts 3 0 at Ibrox. Oh, David Cooper was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, it was uh, it was in 86, 87, but it was in 86. It was. All oh, right, winter. okay. Um, right. We, beat, we beat them 3 0. Henry Smith had one of his classic goalkeeping performances. And a young, uh, the, all, the, all the young bears, you'll remember this, Alan, we used to go down the front and kick about the empty cans. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, once, you know, once you're eight nine getting a wee bit bored so you would meet people you know in my first time in there a boy asked me if i was a catholic or a prostitute um to to this day i can i can honestly answer i'm certainly not a catholic um see the charles and die rosettes and all that when the score there's always all that stuff uh, on it as i say you know um i don't remember them selling tins of McEwen's export at the game but somehow you could always get a game of football down the front of the Mm. enclosure as a wee boy with them so goodness knows where they came from um but yeah i mean it was special but again any sort of campaign for traditional stuff you had to but also any sort of campaign for traditional stuff martin as you say half-hearted because it didn't really fit with who we saw ourselves as we Mm -hmm. saw ourselves as modern go-ahead dynamic at the forefront um we 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 you know it was a time where you know, if Murray had said, maybe we should paint the front of this, you know, this red brick thing red, why don't we paint it blue? Folk would have went along with it. Now, you know, people yeah, try and touch yeah. anything that's um, a tradition, we, 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 we piss all over it loudly and instantly. But um, back then, there was, you know, that kind of sense. Yeah, you would get your traditionalists and you would get your, but it was more sort of wistful things of change, not angry, things must not change. If they had have given us the choice, I think at that time we would all just have went, nah, forget that, you know, but as you say, it was coming, wasn't it? And, yeah. Okay, coming also was the Scottish Cup final, the chance of a double treble never been done before. Um, and yes, it had been a grind, but the League Cup, which was superb, we had the key league games at Parkhead New Year, Aberdeen at Ibrox in December, twice against Motherwell in December and March, where the side could turn it on when required and just get the, the, the big wins. And it was just assumed that we would do. Uh, follow, follow, um, have, you know, as we come to the end of another treble winning season, no one really expects the Teddies to let the Arabs finally win something, do they? Um, the standard of football no. in this play has been awful. And it's just, everyone says another treble winning season in sight. It's just assumed two themes of the season wrapped up in one complacent line, really. Rangers were well below the ha! comes to the silverware <laughs> one strong assumption that this machine would just grind up anyone in its path um as it turned out sadly those um exceptions were brief highlights and not the the, the rule um watching this game back there was no lack of effort actually in, in the game just uh, energy just class rangers dominate the game especially the second half however the, the creative responsibility just lands on too few mainly miko really in in, in the later stages even hately just looked like a ghost, mm-hmm. like the power. Um, go like I'd named his team the day before, with Smith still sweating on a few players. And he said, look, we'll, we'll attack Rangers um, and their weaknesses. Uh, I'll play three up front, stretch their defence, but I hope 
Others in my team will also get forward. I want to attack with six and seven players rather than defend with that number. We're all confident and believe there's no reason why we can't go to Hamden and win the cup. Um, in truth, they were far more reactive, actually, than proactive, but they would be dangerous uh, when they pressed, and that would ultimately bring the reward. Rangers unlucky to have a McPherson header cleared off the line, but fortunate not to concede a penalty. I think when Ian Ferguson knocked Alec Cleland off balance in the box, this was all in the opening 10 minutes. In the end, however, the main takeaway is all too familiar. Injuries, of course. Trevor Stephen, who had been at the heart of that kind of revival in the league, um, didn't make it. Gary Stevens went off after 25 minutes, and that was really him. Um, Selection issues, tick. Um, Smith gambled in some McCoyst magic in the cup final once more, but he looked miles off the pace. The ball just refused to stick, and the Rangers manager ended the season exactly the same way he had proposed to start it before being forced to ditch it with both Haitley and Ferguson up front. Combination didn't work that day either. Mistakes? Well, the biggest of the season, and then no prizes for guessing who was involved. Dave McPherson was a late doubt, just past fit, and actually, weirdly, probably the best Rangers player over the course of the 90 minutes. Just a minute after the restart, um, he has a choice to make. Craig Brewster flicks on a long United ball into his path. Now, seconds earlier, he'd seen Andy McLaren press Neil Murray over on the right-hand touchline. Um, and with Christian Daly chasing him down, he opted not to give Murray another test so quickly and instead make the, the shot pass back to Ali Maxwell. In this instance, actually Murray's in a lot more space McPherson's looking that way as he takes the ball. Looks like that's what he's going to do. He has this last second change of heart. He changes shape, goes the other way, putting the keeper under more pressure than he would have ever done with Murray. Maxwell was one of these keepers that was just struggling with this pass-back loss. He's now yeah. two years in place. And where others maybe would have controlled the ball, maybe fainted right and then go left and pass it out to David Robertson and you know start something else. He just decided to blast it and kick it as hard as he could. Mm-hmm. Sadly, um, that went straight into the on-rushing daily. Now, for a brief second, he appeared to have smothered the danger. He got on top of the ball, but it didn't last long. Um, daily regained possession. He tried his luck from a very narrow angle. He's quite unlucky, actually. It hits the post, spins back into the path of the on-rushing Brewster, who had sensed the danger long before, and he won the cup from... Two yards out. Um, I was there. Alan, you were there. I presume, David, you were there as well. Um, Again, David, I just assumed we would win because that's what we do. Um, But I didn't really fancy his once that goal went in. I don't know how you remember that game. I fucking hate wearing a new strip in a cup final. And it's because of this. Um, and as soon as that goal went in, I knew we weren't winning because it was one of those... We so it was your fault. Yeah. Uh, no, it was their fault. You don't wear a new strip in a big game. And I know people are going to say, oh, what about 90, um, 95, 96? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, even so, I, I still hate it and it's because of this. And I didn't like that strip. It's one of my favourites now, but for the longest time, I didn't like that strip and it was purely because of this. Um, yeah, it was... Probably fitting, really. Um, as you say, Martin, it wasn't a lack of effort. They were huffing and puffing. No, they were. Jesus, there was nothing going on at all. And I remember seeing a really interesting interview with Eamon Bannon um, just after this, and he was asked about Ivan Golach, and you know he was a bit eccentric and um, had a, a, a propensity to talk pish at times, right? Twenty million, <laughs> Jared Nixon, for example. But he. He said, you know, the thing with Jim McLean 
people used to say, why do you never win a cup final? And he said, because when it got tight in these matches, the boys would look ruined. He said, you would see the Rangers players get 10% extra for Walter Smith. Or you would see, you know, the, the, the Aberdeen players before that get 10% after Alex Ferguson. We turned around and see we Jim, who we respected, but we didn't like. You know, and, and you just don't. He said, whereas the United players, they liked Golach and he'd kept them nice and relaxed. And he'd used that week before, as you say, the, the kind of injustice of it, because it was a penalty, by the way, 100%. Um, and the Rangers players, are t- they're trying, aren't they? They're, they're trying to jam these these kind of square, I was going to say square balls and uh, uh, round <laughs> holes, but I don't think that fits. But they, they, they were just, you know, nothing was coming off. And they're looking at each other. And I think just saying, yeah, it's not the other day, you know, and we'll keep going and inevitably we, if we get the first goal, it's very similar. Do you remember the week after the Fairmont 6-1 at Ibrox? Actual helicopter Sunday. Yeah. Um, the final Dundee, they, had, yeah. they hit the post just yeah. before. We're fucking mm-hmm. awful. Had that gone in, mm-hmm. I don't think we're coming back that day, yeah. in all honesty, right? And it was just, it was that turn. If that hits the post and goes out, then we probably we'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Us, we probably would. You know, a set piece or some. Um, we'd have got there, but because the time goes on, it didn't feel like our have day. that that mentality, don't they? It's, it's, yeah. it's still and it, zero zero, and in. they begin to think that. Yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. Once they got it, that goal, yeah. they all got it was like a you know, it was like a rocket up their ass after that, and I don't mean that they needed it. I just mean that after that, the Dundee United players were possessed. You know. Men possess because you know they knew, and and I think can hold on. There's, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a type of goal you can lose when there's already this kind of as as we've mentioned this sort of uh, dreary feeling around the end of the season, and it's a dreary game, and then you lose a really shitty goal like that, and you just say, you know, this is. And they thought uh, very rarely have I been at a cup final. I'll tell you the next time I actually felt the same feeling. It was the league cup final when Alfie missed the penalty. Yeah, and I just went. Yeah. We could play another three weeks here. We're no scoring a goal today, and it was that 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 sense of, um, and you know me, I'm I'm normally optimistic, but I just in my heart I was like, nah, that's the type of goal that you concede when it's not your day, um, and in the end, I, I don't think I don't think we can claim we were unlucky. No, we, we, we definitely we definitely were not. Sure, but... I I I can I walked away though still. How couldn't we have? Because I obviously had the chance of seeing the other back-to-back trebles and we filled in the Monday at Parkhead, you know, the 4-2 thingy, you know, and then we obviously we be Greg. So I had in my mind, well, we're going for the double treble now and we had played into United. This would, be, this would be their seventh Scottish Cup final. We had played them Scottish Cup quarter-finals, Scottish Cup final, League Cup finals and so on, beat them all the time. Basically, every time we played them at Hamden, as I say, I just had in my mind, I could in the United. But as you say, once that goal went in, but even all the way through the second half, as you say, the amount of possession we had, but just the time went on, the time went on. And it was, as you say, it just, I don't know, it just had some kind of strange feeling. And because I was quite near them, I was maybe, I don't know, about 10, 15 yards away from their side. And as you say, I think their fans get the big lift as well. And it's as if suddenly, I, I think I mentioned to you guys too, were they singing that beautiful Sunday in that game or was that a later than the United game we played them? But I seem to have a, a kind of memory of that. And then just the time ticking away, ticking away, and it's just not really getting anything out of it. 
the yeah. one I remember them singing, I, I, they could have done. I'm not, I'm not. But the one I remember them singing that day was um, uh, "Can't Help Falling in Love with You." You know, the oh, right. song, okay, could, which yeah, I, okay. I always that... thought was a really weird yeah, song yeah. for a football. So, and I'd never heard it before at a football match that I could recall, and I, I, that kind of sticks out with me for what they were singing that day. But yeah, it was just, and you, you're kind of filing it, and of course, you, do you know that people were angry coming out, but there wasn't that. <sighs> It wasn't no. that insane anger. It was that almost like... It's like seven out of eight kind of frustration, uh, isn't it? You know, yeah. it? It was sort of like, I can't believe we've, we've no won that. It, it was more embarrassment, really, wasn't it? Because we mm-hmm. didn't lose cup finals to the likes of Dundee United. Um, and I just, you know, tended to think that Rangers forgot your cup final. Forget it, you know, yeah, job yeah. done. Yeah, especially um, against... Especially, especially against them. Against, yeah, and, I mean, they'd never won the cup. And yeah, they well, famously... What was it, five? They'd lost under Jim McLean, five Scottish Cup finals. Six, this was their seventh final. They'd, they'd uh, lost six finals, David, during the time. But yeah, this uh, was their uh, seventh now. Uh, well, uh, yeah, tw- but, 2016, uh, the run-up to that Hibs final, this was in my mind constantly about a, a league, a season that had finished weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. We hadn't won. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can just pick it up um no. and 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 so just very quickly um I'll, i want you t- to give me a percentage of culpability for both mcpherson and ali maxwell stop you alan uh probably more ali maxwell than uh big bambi but uh probably 60 40 for him although funnily enough later on in the game he does the same again he blasts the ball off of the united player yeah. Too, doesn't it? Yeah. I remember Maybe. that did raise and in all the on we I remember that that did raise a for certainly the bit of the stadium I was in, folk were going mental. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you, again. Yeah, think of the history here. It's not the first time this season. Your percentage? Um, I would say I would agree with Alan that on the actual instance, probably sixty forty. But I'm going to go fifty fifty because purely Dave should have known better. Just played it Money was there. Yeah, it, was, it was the wrong option. Look, 50-50 for me. If, if it had been that, it would have been something else. It I know. God, I know. I know. But it was. How I, come, by the way, me and Alan always get these weeks right? They always get the fucking cup finals and the three two. We've changed. <laughs> Mean ah, we, we've changed. Mean no, da- David, six I'm, months ago, mind we get one good week, didn't we? Where we won I a couple of things, didn't we? Fifteen episodes ago, me and Marlon had a had a, a win one. And John and Andy complained, and then Martin just yes. shuffled things, didn't he? Yeah. Be back by the time Gascoigne comes. You you'll have the Gascoigne. You'll have the Loudrop final. I can promise you. Oh that. well, there you go. Right, right. That, that's a um, then. But yeah. Yeah, look, I I think we got what we deserved. We pro- we didn't deserve a treble. No, we 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 that that team. Yeah. Despite Smith's pride, and I understand where he comes from. Again, I think he's very protective, and that's why he was such a, a huge right. man manager. Correct, yeah. But um, that 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 was not a treble. The season before was a treble winning team, and the other treble winning teams I've seen from Rangers, yeah, have yeah. Abs- you know, you know, you know what I mean. They, they've they've absolutely yeah. deserved it. Um, until Saturday, Rangers were threatened more by their own peculiar lethargy than anything their opponents could do. No one took advantage. No one could, because no one was capable of paying one columnist on the Monday morning. Frankly, I'm glad it's over. The longer it dragged on, the more damage was done to Scottish football's reputation. Not a bright and enjoyable season overall, uh, despite this remarkable run of, what, eight domestic trophies in ten um, since he took the job. One fabulous European run. Smith was under no illusions about the level of criticism that would come his way after just one defeat. Maybe that juxtaposition of watching 
um, AC Milan eviscerate Barcelona in the Champions League final just a few days before wouldn't have helped lighten that doubt that Rangers were a tired and blunt force. Decided failed to win any of the final six games and only three out of the last 12. The final gap was a three-point advantage over Aberdeen, but no one had really truly convinced themselves of a title race, even with Rangers winning only half of that season's league fixtures. Smith knew that big action was required, and when he called for Andy Gorham to meet him in his office, the Rangers goalkeeper knew he was in trouble. In truth, however, he had no idea just how much. So the team come back on the Monday for a kind of light, warm-down training session, basically. Every one of them speaks to the manager. If it's a quick one, your um, target weight, what he wants you to do over the summer, it's down in the office downstairs. If you're in a bit of bother... Um, you go up. You're down to co-winning at Davies. <laughs> you're, you're up to the manager's office up the stairs. Um, and Gorham talks about it in his book. Um, he said that, that uh, David Dodds come in the dressing room and said, Goalie wants you now up the stairs. Um, and Smith put him on the transfer list. And Gorham thought he was just at it. And he said, Andy, your chance is gone. That's it. I wish you all the best. But I won't be backing down in this. Good luck. Um now, Gorham had come back, but he'd broken down at the start of April. There was still hope that he would make the final. Although Gorham knew that was never happening. His back actually was was in agony. Um, and despite Smith being increasingly concerned about the impact of Gorham's lifestyle on his recovery, that, that was really it. Um, Smith was increasingly pissed off that, that, that Gorham's off-field antics were, were um, hampering what should have happened physically, what they expected in terms of his physical um, uh, recovery. Despite knowing this, he said, look, get yourself away. Um, take the family away somewhere somewhere nice. This was the run-up to the, to the final, coming up to the end of the season. Um, so we went with his, 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 his wife and I think his in-laws, uh, brother, sister-in-law, whatever. Um, and they went to Tenerife for a week. And on the great day, great week, everything that, that he said he, he felt he needed. On the final day, he bumped into Joe Royal and his Oldham teammates. He used to play for Oldham, of course. And one pint, that's fine. It turns to five and it turns to night out. Um, I know the feeling. His, yeah, uh, his wife and everyone leaving without him. Uh, I think he had about 40 quid to his name. Um, and because of some flight issues, not quite the same as, as now with budget airlines or whatever, um, he was stuck there for another week. Um, and the which time he had broken the cheekbone of a Dundee United fan who was taunting him about the end of his career. The media got hold of that and all these flashbulbs um, awaited Gorham's eventual arrival back in Glasgow. Not what Smith needed in the run-up to that final. So he was to pay the price alongside Gary Stevens, Peter Hustra, Oleg Kuznetsov, um, Wishart, amongst others, as Smith made known his transfer list uh, the week following the, the, the final. Um Gorham was in tears. A broken man, his life appeared to be spiralling out of control. The Friday after the cup final, Abbey National Building Society announced that they had started court proceedings against Gorham for mortgage arrears. Um, he begged for another chance. Smith wouldn't entertain it. Um, and, you know, Smith said, look, it's a regrettable decision, but I've got no other choice. We had disagreements about how he should handle his training after coming back from injury. Um, Dave A, his first signing, and one that had been remarkable was now on the transfer list you expect that after the final you know we've, we've gone home and it's disappointing blah 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 and you expect that just to be shut we've got a world cup to look forward to and who rangers going to sign no one was expecting that no no one was um 
there's a couple of interesting things here about this. I had a, a meeting once at Ibrox, and by the way, I, I, I can sympathise with Gorham because I always knew with Murray how much bother I was in based on where the meeting was. Blue Room, fine. Mm-hmm. Didn't need to worry. Probably got a bite to eat. Manager's office at Ibrox, one of that bother. Uh, Charlotte Square, shit. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the venue thing runs through Ibrox. But I asked at the meeting, with Paul Smith and, and I asked him actually I said look you know, can you answer a few questions you know fanboy thing uh, and I asked him I said would you you know was that just good management and he went no I was raging he said he was he was going um, and this was no long after you know the Alan McGregor Barry Ferguson thing yeah and no one came in for him David if someone well, had come exactly. in for him he would have gone yeah, he, would, he would have gone and he spoke about the parallels with that and Murray actually said to me he said the difference was I'd told Barry after the Paul Le Guin thing one more last chance, yeah. What, and and if this ever happens again, you are gone. So it was Murray who was he, you know, McGregor could get back in, but there was even if Walter had, and he said even if I wanted to bring Alan uh, to bring Barry back, I couldn't because he wouldn't wear it. Um, but he said no, um, he would have gone. But as you say, nobody came in for him. Uh, again, you know, my own personal situation people don't know i'm a recovered alcoholic i know th- i know that no but I, and i'll say this for andy gorham he did not go out that day and went i know i'll fuck up my life that's what i'll do mm. um that is not the way your decision making but you go to the mm. pub and you have one right and then unfortunately the reason alcoholics can't drink is as soon as you have one your thinking changes and you're no longer in command of it anymore and one becomes five becomes seven yeah. becomes the next yeah, day yeah. becomes three days later it, it I kind of sympathy. No, you're right. It's you. You should know better, and you're the only person that can control it. And anyone who's got no um, experience of addiction, then I, I totally get where you're coming from, and you're right. But he doesn't go out there that day and say, "Yeah, oh, fuck him." Right? This is. I'm just going to do what I want. But it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. And and I was heartbroken. But again, this is the power that Walter Smith had. It didn't matter who the player was. If Walter said he was going then he was going and as much as i loved andy gorham um it was you know it was it was kind of clear because you couldn't watch all those stories and think he's a poor hard done to victim because you didn't feel it but i think that the reason that water was so because as you say martin he's, he's in tears he's on his knees begging him literally in the state you know please please don't do this to me. It's very emotional. And the reason that Walter was so cold with him was not this, as, you know, has been put forward afterwards, that it was just a brilliant bit of management to shock him into life. He was raging. He was. He felt personally let down. And the worst thing you could do with Walter Smith was make him feel that way. If he felt that you, you he'd asked you to do something and you'd given him your word you were going to do it and you didn't do it, that was a crime worse than, you know... Mm-hmm dropping a ball into the net or getting a red card in a game. It was, I think it, I think it ate at the bond of trust that he had yeah. with his players. And the fact that we, we've spoken before on this show about how me and you heard David Robertson at NARSA in 2022 talking about this, where he said, you know, the thing with Walter is he always said to, you, said to all the boys when he signed, if you look after me, I'll look after you. And I think that Gorham had breached that covenant and it's a pretty heavy covenant, and I think that once you'd done it, um, Walter wasn't a big one for daft boyness when a guy got to a certain age, incidentally. You know, Walter wouldn't just write things off with boys will be boys. I think he was quite prepared if you kept it 
under control, but Gorham was, was out of control. He was in a terrible state. He was a physical wreck. He was a mess. He was um, severe alcohol problems at this point. And he was very fortunate that I think that that reputation and also the fact there was a lot of whispers, remember guys, about he's done, like he can't come back even if yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm, even, sure, yeah. even if Walter had done that 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 Rangers are basically trying to get him off their hand. Had there been a manager that was utterly desperate that summer, um, and didn't buy those rumours, he would have been gone. And then God knows what would have happened with his career. But in the end, he was very very fortunate to get that second chance. And I think to give Walter his due as well, David, uh, that difference between manager management and leadership. And I think what you said, Walter was definitely that whole kind of leader, wasn't he? And as you say, we'd back them to the absolute hilt, but as long as they play fair with him too. And I think that's why so many would have run through walls for him and so on, you know, yeah. Yeah, and and look, see, in the end, it was, you know, it, it was... So they would understand, you know, if you've said, if he suddenly said, that's it, he's crossed it, the rest of the guys wouldn't go, oh, Walter's going to, because you'll know it's... My goodness, they must really have pushed, pushed. That, Do you that, know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's, I think, what we all felt. I mean, you boys were a bit at the time and a lot of mm-hmm. listeners, but I think we all felt, Jesus, it must be bad, you know, to, to, to do this. Because we'd all seen Andy, Ma- uh, uh, sorry, Ali Maxwell. Aye. And if yeah. Walter was prepared to be stuck with him at this point, I think we all assumed we would sign a, a top level goalkeeper. We would have had to. But it, 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 it's very difficult given Andy's. You know, sad passing. Yes, it's very yeah. difficult to, to be critical of someone, and 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 a lot easier to remember the amount of utter joy that the man gave us. But at this stage, as a professional footballer, and I have a lot of sympathy because, as I say, there are reasons that doesn't matter what your career is. By the way, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. al- al- alcoholism doesn't care. It doesn't care if you are a goalkeeper at Rangers or a you know, a, a, an astronaut. It doesn't care, um, and it will get you. I just, you know, you couldn't look at it and not say that as a professional athlete, he was not anywhere, anywhere near the required standard. But again, I felt like I'd been dragged into that kind of soonest butcher, soonest Robert style row where it's like my parents are fighting. You know, yeah, yeah. that's that's um... kind of how it felt. I just always saw Walter as, well, obviously Joe Wallace before and Greg, but Walter, it was just like your father, you know, with the kind of Rangers come family, do you know? So, yeah, but I think at Andy Gorham as well, he would have held his hands up at times as well. I know, and do you get what I mean? So I don't think he would have been like in denial, wouldn't he? You know what I mean? He would have, but it's, as you I, say, I, it's far more complicated, David. Yeah, yeah. No, nobody likes to hear especially in Scotland, especially in an addressing room where it's a very macho drinking culture. Nobody likes to hear, oh. I can't handle my booze. Yeah. That it's almost because you, you you begin to define yourself by your heroic intake of, of alcohol. You begin to say to yourself, you know, oh, I can do that and I can get up and go to my work the next day. And you can do it right up until you can't. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that that's the thing. You, you, you can do it right up until you can't. But you certainly, you know, we talk about, you know, functional alcoholism and, I could get by. I worked in an office, right? I couldn't have if if I needed to get out of my bed every morning and you know perform uh, yeah. that incredibly high level aerobic exercise. Then I can assure you, I would have struggled really badly to do that. And it, it wasn't just the drink. I mean, the drink is the main factor, but there's there's 
food. You know, he was he was overeating. He was eating shite. Um, so I just it's a message. Yeah, some message yeah, as well to the other players because if they're yeah. going, hold on a wee minute, it was like even going way back to the Baxter one, some of the other ones are going, oh, aye, he's doing this, that, the other. Do you know what I mean? How, how do you have any authority with other players mm-hmm. if they can, as you say, turn around and go, what about that then? And there is a point where it crosses, Gaza would get the same. There's a point where you kind of do get the extra leeway because one, you're a likable guy. They all yes, love Gordon, yeah. they all love Gascoigne. Uh, and two, there's a bit of sympathy because they can see that, you know, there's there's more to it than just he likes mm-hmm. a baby. Yeah. Um, but then there does come a point where you just cannot, as a manager, justify this anymore. And you have to make a decision. And, and look... He was in a position of strength, Walter. He knew he could do this and and have certainly the backing of the owner, which he did get 100%. He knew that the fans would, you know, probably end up agreeing if a replacement was bought. Um, And I think he knew there was some anger about, because again, Murray controlled the media really well. So they got out the message of he didn't work hard enough to get fit. So given that, a lot of fans are blaming this Diddy in goals, as we saw him, for costing us the cup final. Then it's very easy to spin around and go, and it's your fault and all because you should have been yeah. there. And if you'd been there, yeah, we'd have won yeah. the cup. So this, this wasn't, yeah, this wasn't Soonest Roberts, to be honest. Obviously, Rangers fans loved Gorham, but they, their patience was starting to wear thin as well for the reasons you mentioned, um, because it wasn't an unlucky injury. People knew. Mm-hmm. Why? Why the, the recovery was 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 such a shambles that it was, um, but there was a message as we wrap up ninety three ninety four. Thank you, David. Oh, uh, thank you. Um, very interesting discussion. I hope that the the, the people listening enjoyed it as well. Um, hope they did. I'm sure they did. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, thanks, Martin. As I say, maybe it wasn't enjoyable, but. Going through, we've got to do the warts and all, haven't we? So we can't just do all the... So I think it was important to just put a bit more light on, on this particular season. Yeah. No, it, it, sometimes these are the most interesting parts. I promise the next time you're on in two weeks, there will be um, at least one special game mm. to enjoy. Uh, <laughs> but that's it for 93-94. And by the time the Richard Goff lifted that Premier Division trophy on that final home game against Dundee, it was... Clear that the title was beginning to feel a lot like Easter for Rangers fans. We weren't quite sure which date in the spring it was taking place, but they knew that it definitely would. A4 sheets of cardboard were left on every seat with a six on it to hold up at the presentation. It wasn't a TIFO. It didn't combine in anything. They were just all these individual sixes. They didn't really look that effective. Thousands were turned upside down to make a nine the real objective now. And many fans felt like this was a kind of banal waiting room for that season to come, going through the motions of picking up the necessary titles in the meantime. Truthfully, it really was becoming boring and Smith sought drastic action as the only way to reinvigorate the whole project. But it was one thing telling the world who he thought was no longer required and another replacing them with the kind of players who would reintroduce some colour to an increasingly grey backdrop of Scottish football. Fans had been discussing this very topic for months, and back in February, one cantankerous contributor to Follow Follow, the major, suggested the usual Scottish names, such as Alan McLaren, Ian Jess and Gary McAllister, before writing, Looking further afield, I note with great interest that AC Milan are selling Brian Loudrop, who I think could be a sensation at iBooks. Now then, there was a thought. Until next time, bye for now. 
Podcast Network.